Uh, if you have a Bible, you can go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. It's really good to be back up here teaching today. I'm excited. We're starting a brand new series uh, that we've called Dangerous Prayers. And I got to give Dalton Westfall credit for this because he tuned me into somebody that had done this series. And I started listening to it and checking it out. And I thought, man, this is, this is stuff we as a church need to jump into. And, I, and I'm excited about it. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm really bad at prayer. <laughs> like I am, I shouldn't say that. And every time we talk about prayer, I feel like I'm confessing to you how I'm not a really good prayer and I should be better at it. And I get that. But the reality is I'm just not. It's hard for me to pray. I struggle with that. And I found over the years, I found that most of you would say you're bad at praying too. Like we've tried a few times in here to create an atmosphere where we engage more of you, more of us in, in prayer together for our church. So we'll do a song and we'll leave a bunch of space and I'll even give this like, hey, just pray out loud. Just just be with us. Let's pray together. And you know what happens as well as I do, right? Like it's crickets. And let me tell you what happens because we're all nervous. We're all afraid to pray out loud or we feel like we don't know how. And so here's what I do in those moments, whether you know this or not. I will actually stop closing my eyes and I will send daggers at my wife like, start this. Come on. And she just is so sweet. She just keeps her head down and doesn't even look at me. And, and that's hard for us. And, 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 and I understand that. And you know why we have a hard time, I think, at least for me? Because some people we've prayed with are really good at prayer, right? You ever been praying with people and you're just like, you're, you're working up the nerve to pray and then somebody else prays and you're like, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm not that good. And I think we even have types of these people. Like, we have the Shakespearean prayer warrior Right? They pray with all the Old English. God, we thank thee for thy mercies, for thou art glorious. You've been with these people. And if you pray like that, I'm not criticizing anybody. I just can't do it. We have the Bible nerd that prays. Jesus, we thank you as you said in 1 Kings 23, verse 12, part A. I'm praying, and I'm like, where did that guy get that? Like, where did that come from? Or we have the, the spiritual warrior that I'm always fascinated by, the spiritual warrior who will be praying to Jesus and then all of a sudden starts yelling at Satan in the middle of their prayer. You ever had that experience? I've been there. Or, and this is not the way anybody prays, but some of you don't like holding hands, right, in prayer circles. You ever been there? And it's 2020, 2020, 2021. We can't hold hands anymore, but... Like some of us, when we prayed in circles, you first of all, you fight for where your hand gets to go, which is such an unchristian thing to do, right? Let the other person have their hand on top. It's okay, right? But sometimes we pray and we get the person beside us that I call the vice grip. You ever had that person? Anybody? Are you guys with me today? I can't see mouths, so you got to like give me some body language where they're praying and it's just like, Jesus, we thank us like, ah, like chill out, right? And so all of that are good, and I get intimidated praying with people. I'm with you. I just got comfortable with it years ago because I was called pastor and nobody else wanted to pray, so somebody had to. It's a struggle for me. I don't know how you feel about it, but almost every year, one of my spiritual goals is to get better at prayer, to pray more consistently, to pray longer, and every year, I feel like I fail miserably. I'll go to pray at night, and I'll do what you do. I'll fall asleep. Like, Jesus, thank you for this, and I'm snoring, right? Like, like that's or, or I start praying and I get, and I don't know if you do this, this is what I do. I get in this loop of repetitive words that just sound stupid to me, right? Like, God, thank you for this day and thank you for the blessings in my life. Like this day, thank you for this day, God. It was a really good day. Or God, be with me today, be with my kids, be with Carrie, watch over us. God, thank you for this day and the blessings in my life, right? Like, it, does anybody else do this? Just hands, because I can't see faces. Okay. And here's the image I have in my mind when I'm in that loop. Just really honest. I think God may be listening going, seriously, 
you're going to talk to me, and you're going to say that same stuff again. Come on. Like, I wonder sometimes, and, and then there's folks who will tell me we should pray more. Like, we should have a prayer meeting for an hour. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right? I'm just confessing. I'm not a good pastor at this. That's just the reality. So when we started to talk about this series, Dalton and I were talking about this series, and when I started to craft it, I got to thinking, for most of us, definitely for me, and I bet for you too, here's why we struggle with prayer so much. And I had not thought about this till I started processing this. It's actually beca- not because I'm not good at it or you're not good at it. That's not why we struggle with prayer. I think we struggle with prayer because our prayers are too safe. I think we have a hard time engaging prayer as a consistent, faithful, relational practice because our prayers are too safe. Think about the prayers we pray, at least me. Bless this food. Ooh, thanks. Right? Keep me safe. I pray that prayer all the time. Be with me today. I, we all pray that, right? Like, God, be with me today. Even that prayer. Do you think we even need to pray that? Like Jesus said to his disciples right before he left the earth, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So God, be with me. Duh! Right? Like that's kind of what, what I think. So over the next few weeks, I want to invite you to begin to pray some very practical, very specific, and some very dangerous prayers. I want to encourage you, challenge you, give you specific ways to begin to pray these dangerous prayers. And here's why, I think. This is the thing I want you to grab onto. When we learn to pray dangerous prayers, we will learn to pray more passionately. When we learn to pray prayers like the ones we're going to cover the next few weeks, we will learn to pray more passionately. When we start to jump into these dangerous prayers and make them a normal part of who we are, things will shift. Certain pieces of us will shake loose. We'll start to engage God more in prayer because we will need to, because these aren't safe prayers. They'll put us in uncomfortable situations and call us to action for God's kingdom. So so let's jump into this. Acts 4 is where we're going to be today, and we're going to look at the first of these dangerous prayers, and it comes from this portion of scripture where the disciples find themselves in a dangerous situation. So if you were to go back and read Acts 3, you would see that Peter and John have gone to the temple, and as they go to the temple, they heal this beggar. We talked about this several months ago. We were going through the book of Acts. And in Acts 4, we find, as we start this chapter, that the religious police, the people that guarded the temple, the legalists of the day, the religious leaders, they're disturbed by what has happened. They don't like that Peter and John have healed this beggar outside the temple, and they don't like that they're preaching resurrection. So look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Here's what it says in Acts 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. So this is a major disturbance. This healing happened outside the temple, by the way. It didn't happen in the religious space. It happened outside the religious space, which is a whole sermon in itself. But as a result, Peter and John are preaching outside the norms of the religion of the day that Jesus not only resurrected, but that he also promises resurrection for those who believe in him. This is a problem for the Sadducees because they don't even theologically believe in a resurrection. You guys have heard me say that. That's why they were sad, you see. Still not a good joke. So, so they arrest Peter and John. And the next day, they ask this question to Peter and John. Look at verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? 
They want to know, how did this happen? How did you do this? What is going on? And I want you to check out Peter's response. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, and, and underline circle highlight this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Now go down to verse 10 and look what he says. Know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Now I love this. I love the message that Peter gives, but I also love what is happening in Peter right here because Peter is so bold in this moment, right? Like this is Peter who just a few chapters earlier in the book of Luke was hiding out while Jesus is being led to the cross. Jesus is being arrested and Peter is failing him. He's standing in the shadows swearing and lying to a child about how he doesn't even know Jesus. And now he's confronting in the name of Jesus the same people who arrested and crucified Jesus, telling them that they're wrong. It's so awesome to see his boldness here. Like, don't you love when people you didn't expect to do it finally stand up for something? I love that moment, right? I love in the movies where the nerdy kid finally decks the bully. Like, yes, that's a great moment. It's boldness that Peter's jumping into right here. So here's my question. Before I give you the first of our, our, our bold prayers, I, our, our dangerous prayers, I have a question for you. And I want you to think about this. I want you to answer this for yourselves. How amazed are people by your boldness for your faith? Like if you were to rank this from a 1 to 10 scale, how amazed are the people around you for your boldness? I, I'm not that bold. I know people who are. I know people who amaze me with their boldness. I, I worked with a, a pastor in Michigan. He was, he, he was retiree age, but he was still pastoring, shepherding people. And this guy would pull into a gas station, and while he was getting gas, he would strike up a conversation with someone. But it wasn't like, hey, how you doing? Nice weather. Michigan didn't have nice weather. But it, it was like, hey, how you doing? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Like, he was that bold. And where I, like, this is what I feel. I would ask that question, and they'd be like, just go away, right? This guy would lead people to Christ in the gas station parking lot. That's how bold he was. What is it for you? How, how amazed are people by your boldness? Think about the people that you know that are really bold in their faith. They'll talk to anyone. They'll strike up any conversation. And, and maybe you aren't like that. Maybe you are. Maybe you would say, I'm a six. That's where I fall. But, and maybe you're just being kind and you ought to bump yourself up. Maybe you're like, I'm a one. Like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not bold at all. But the boldness of Peter and John in this moment affects these religious leaders. It impacts them. Watch their response. Look at verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized, now pay attention here, realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is so good, right? Like, check this out. The, the religious authorities see the courage of Peter and John, and we are told that they realize they were first unschooled. They didn't have credentials. They didn't have the degrees. They didn't have the experience, the resume. They were unschooled, ordinary. Now, let me tell you what ordinary is in the Greek. It's the word idiotes. I can't make that up. Like, they were ordinary idiots. I love it. How many of you feel like you're an ordinary idiot? Don't raise your hand. I, like, they were unschooled, ordinary. The word literally means ignorant or idiotic, but, check out the but, but they had been with Jesus. Unlikely, but they had been with Jesus. 
I want you to think about this because the first dangerous prayer we need to pray is the same prayer the disciples pray in this moment. After they're released from this, this trial, they know they're still under threat. The religious police aren't done with them. They tell them, don't preach resurrection anymore. And the disciples know, we have to preach resurrection. We can't not do this. And they know the conflict is coming. So they gather with the church and they pray this. Look down at verse 29. Here's what their prayer is. Here's the dangerous prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So it's so clear. Friends, the the first dangerous prayer that we have to start to pray is make me bold. Make me bold. That's the prayer we've got to start to pray. God, make me bold. This is the prayer the disciples pray in this moment. Make me bold. In the face of threats, make me bold. God, help us speak your word with great boldness. Let's go back to my question. How amazed are people by your boldness? Maybe you haven't prayed this prayer enough to live into it yet. I haven't. I hadn't really thought about this prayer, so I started thinking about this series and praying this prayer this week. See, this is so important because Peter and John were just like us. And guys, this is the beauty of Scripture. The Scripture is not filled with seminary graduates. It's not filled with long lists of resumes. It's filled with the unschooled, ordinary idiots like you and me. That's what Scripture is filled with. You you show up to church. Here's what I know. You and I, you show up to church and you say, I don't know how to pray. I can't pray out loud. I can't get up and pray in front of people or, or read a scripture. It's too much. I can't talk out loud in a Bible study or I, I can't join, join a house church. I don't know enough. Well, guess what? You're in the same company as the people that made it into the scriptural hall of fame. They didn't know either. They were unschooled. They were idiotes. Just write that on your name tag every week. Or idiotes. I ask people to think about sharing a testimony. Oh, I don't know. That's not me. I'm too nervous. I don't have a story. It wasn't Peter and John either. They were unschooled and ordinary, but they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. This week, I I did some long-range planning. About every year, I try to sit down and do a, a couple things personally. I have about 10 leadership questions that every year I try to sit down for a half a day or a day and just journal answers to these questions. Here's where I am. Here's where I'm heading. Here's, here's what I think God's doing in my life. And, and I just start answering as honestly as I can. That's how I jump into looking at where I am and where I'm headed. Some honest self-assessment. And then the second thing is from all that, and I know this is nerdy, but I work on a personal development plan. Basically, a document that walks through four areas of leadership and helps me nail down where do I want to focus this year. So as I was working on this, I wrote down three dreams I have for us as a church this year. Now, if you're online, listen to this because you need to pay attention in person. I want you to hear this. This is where my heartbeat, my passion as the pastor of this church has taken me this year. One, I want to help people find ways out of their loneliness and fear that, by the way, grew volcanic in 2020. I want to help people find ways out of their loneliness and fear with the hope of Jesus and the life of the faith community, whatever that looks like for us as a church this year. That's the first thing. Two, I want to see, now this is, this is just what I feel like God's saying to me. I want to see a community of missional, living the mission of Jesus, Jesus following, young people begin to form and be transformed by the kingdom of God. I'm tired of asking teenagers, how's life? And they go, meh. 
I'm really tired of meeting adults that say that too, but that's what I feel like God is saying. Just pour as much as you can. You're in the realm of middle school. Do that some. Whatever you can do, help the youth ministry, help Kids Town, whatever we can do. I think our Kids Town team is doing an incredible job in challenging circumstances to impact kids, and I want to help us see a movement of young people who say, I want to follow Jesus and be transformed by him. Here's the third thing. This is where it's going to, this is going to mess you up a little bit, okay? I want to unleash the people of New Community to be brave and see God meet them in risk for his mission and kingdom. See, I want to call you out of the loneliness and fear. I want to help you find your way out of the loneliness and fear. And then I want to unleash you to be brave and see God meet you when you take risks for the kingdom. And that means something for, all, for you all. And you need to get this because you may want to rethink where you go to church. This year, I want to push you toward bravery, towards bravery and boldness. And for Peter and John, that came from being with Jesus. So here's my New Year's resolution as your pastor. Ready? If you say no to doing something that discomforts you from Jesus, I'm not going to let you off the hook. Here's what I'm going to say. Oh, okay, you haven't been with Jesus this week. I get it. Go home and spend some time with him. And then come back and let's be bold. Because they were bold. Do you get this? Don't feel this as a guilt trip. Feel this as what Jesus calls us to. They were bold not because they felt confident. Well, thank you for asking me to share a testimony. I've been waiting. I've been wondering when the pastor would ask me to step up. They weren't bold because of that. They were bold because of the overflow of spending time with Jesus. So I love you enough to say, would you share with the people of God what your testimony is, what your prayer is? Would you step out and invite someone else into the life of the church with you? Would you do more than watch us on Facebook? Would you invite others into that and prompt questions and sharing? Would you come and be a part of the mission of God? Oh, I can't. I'm not comfortable. I don't know. That's fine. I get it. You haven't been with Jesus enough. Go spend a month with him. And then I'm going to ask you again. Everybody good with that? <laughs> There's like this. That's like the slow clap. Uh. But I think it's so biblical, guys, ladies, that we live into the kingdom out of boldness when we've spent time with Jesus. See, these disciples, the church prayed. They asked God for boldness. Their prayer was, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now watch what happens immediately following their prayer. Look at verse 31. After, everybody say after. After they prayed. Check this out. After they prayed, you're going to be amazed. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all, not just some, not just the seminary grads, not just the ones who had been in church for more than five years, not just the ones who had been through the membership class. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love this because it's simple and it's clear. It's Luke spelling out the results of the prayer. They prayed. They asked for boldness. The place was shaken. They were filled and they were bold. And I've heard it preached, this passage. I've heard people preach this. Isn't this amazing? Look at how God showed up. No, it's not amazing. God answered what they prayed for. God met their needs. Why are we surprised? They asked to be bold, and he made them bold. Why are we surprised? Because, let me tell you the truth. This is me. I'm not putting this on you. You may need to wrestle with this, but this is what I've been wrestling with this week. Because we don't often believe God still answers prayers. 
We pray like we want him to, but we don't actually believe he will. That's the reality. Would you pray? Would you have the courage to pray dangerously? Make me bold. Look at what Peter and John didn't do, okay? They didn't go read a self-help book. How do we get more courageous in our faith? They didn't surf Amazon, right? They, 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 they didn't work on their confidence. Hey, let's do a role play here. You be the Sadducee, right? They didn't go to six hours of training to get certified in faith boldness. My preaching, yet. They didn't put headphones in and go, I just need my songs. My songs will get me all ready to be bold. They prayed for boldness, and God answered. Friends, what if we prayed this as a church? What if we prayed this as believers? What would change? What if God answers? What if you took the people that you know follow Christ in your workplace and say, hey, once a week we're going to meet, and all we're going to say is, God, help us be bold in this place. What if that became normal? And it's a dangerous prayer. Now, let me tell you why it's a dangerous prayer. You've got to know a couple things about boldness. This is where I'm going to land today. I want you to know a couple things about boldness. First, boldness comes in ordinary contexts. I think we've misunderstood this in, in, in recent years. We look at versions of Christianity that we see in the world, and, and we might think for a moment that those versions of Christianity, wherever they fall, theologically, spiritually, politically, emotionally, wherever they fall, that those versions we perceive that are out there equate to boldness. You know, all how, look, look how bold they are standing up for what they believe. And maybe we could say that. But more often than not, what we consider, consider to be boldness is actually better described as arrogance. I don't think boldness equates to arrogance. Boldness comes in ordinary contexts. Notice that Peter and John were not looking for a religious fight. They didn't go to the temple going, hey, let's, let's see how we can stand up to the Sadducees and tick them off. They didn't do that. They were going to the temple because it was what they did regularly. They were going to worship because it was where they went daily. They went there, Acts 3.1 says, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At the ordinary time of prayer, at three in the afternoon, that was their regular practice. They healed the man miraculously out of the context of their habits. They were bold because they were given the opportunity. It wasn't a strategy to be loud, to create an advocacy campaign for resurrection, or to cause a scene with some kind of flash mob or viral video. For you to be bold, it doesn't mean you have to reorient everything in your life in new directions and with new strategies. For you to be bold, it simply means you have to be faithful in the everyday opportunities you have. Here's the second thing about boldness. Boldness is going to trigger spiritual opposition. I'm just going to tell you this. Some of you don't want to talk about spiritual world, spiritual realms. It makes you uncomfortable. You don't know what to do with it. You need to know this. When you start praying, this is why it's dangerous. When you start praying for God to make you bold, it will trigger spiritual opposition. In the next chapter, in Acts 5, the disciples are back at it. They're healing. They're meeting together in public places. They're doing the work of mission boldly. And more conflict comes. Look at verse 17 of chapter 5. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of, guess who, the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in the public jail. Can I tell you the dangerous part of praying for boldness? It may make you nervous. It will trigger, trigger spiritual opposition in your life. It's absolutely true. If you start asking God to make you bold and you start living faithfully and boldly in your everyday context, you're going to sense more spiritual warfare than you ever have before. Ephesians 6 makes this so clear. Verse 11 of Ephesians 6. You don't have to turn there. I'll put it on the screen. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle. Listen, you know who the hour is in this? Followers of Jesus Christ. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're off the hook here. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers 
against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me tell you, I, I have a theory, and, and I, Carrie and I have talked about this, but I, I can't prove this, but I think, I think, if I were to look back at all the times I've preached throughout my life, all the, the youth group meetings, all the Sunday mornings, which is, at this point, it's thousands. I'm, I feel myself getting old, and it literally is thousands of times I've gotten up and shared the Word of God. Every time I've done that, there's been preparation, right? There's been the day before, the week before, leading up to that, wrestling with the Word of God, going, what do, what do I need to say here? What does this look like? But I think that my theory is, if I were to look back at those times, I have a hypothesis that the vast majority of the fights that I've had with my wife have come on the night or the day before I was scheduled to preach or teach. That's my theory. We've talked about that, right? Now listen, I believe the majority of that is my fault. I'm going to own that. But I also believe those conflicts are deeply related to what Ephesians calls the devil's schemes. Seriously. Do you know how hard it is to write a gospel message when things aren't right with your wife? It's not Good, not easy. Why wouldn't Satan, why would he not use my stupidity, my anger to either dismantle my family peace or dismantle my ability to teach the gospel that's going to tell more people about the good news of the hope of Jesus for their lives? See, if you start praying for boldness, you're going to inevitably face spiritual opposition. I'm telling you this. You need to know it. When you pray for boldness, you say, well, I'm going to pray for boldness. I'm going to invite these friends to church because that's what God's telling me to do. You will face opposition. The opposition will come in your nerves. It'll come in their acceptance. They'll have, your, their schedule will get incredibly busy all of a sudden. You ever invited somebody to come to church? Oh, I just got so much going on in my life. And here, here it is. Their schedule, your schedule. But in that opposition, you keep praying. See, praying for boldness will put you in situations that actually require boldness and then when you're in situations that require boldness, you'll be praying more than you ever have against the opposition that will come. Can I just tell you, if your epitome of your prayer, my epitome of my prayer is, God, would you be with me today? Why does Satan even give a crap about us? Why bother with me? Oh, he's just praying for safety today. Okay, I'll leave him alone. Right? But if we start praying, God, make me bold then we start living into the kingdom. Here, here's the last thing we have to know about boldness. This is the good news. This is the good news. Boldness. Boldness will often, so often, and I've seen this, I've lived this, boldness will often release God's miracles in your life. It, it opens the door for the kingdom of God to be experienced, to be felt, to be seen. Look at verse 19 of chapter 5. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. You know what I wish that verse said? The angel of the Lord opened the jail and said, hey, go relax for a week. Take a sabbatical. <laughs> you guys have worked hard. You were faithful. I don't want the angel of the Lord to say, hey, I know you faced all this opposition when you were preaching about this stuff. So you got put in jail. So I'm going to help you out. But when I help you out, I want you to go back and do the same thing that got you back here. No thanks, right? Just be with me today, okay? Like, let's go back to that prayer. So they're arrested. Their boldness results in opposition. But God shows up miraculously in the middle of it. Do you know why so many of us, especially in the U.S., I, I, I think, don't see miracles happening today? Because we aren't bold. Because we're afraid to take risks for the kingdom. So when we pray, and, and I'm guilty of this. This is where I'm bad at prayer. When we pray for someone who's sick, we pray God's healing but we also pray, God, comfort them if they're not healed. Healed. We almost have to caveat our prayers just so we don't look bad if God chooses not to heal them. 
When we pray for someone who's not walking with Jesus, we pray, God, would you draw them closer that they might know you? Instead of praying, God, fight the battle that will capture their hearts. Friends, do you get on your knees and say, God, my friend doesn't know you, doesn't know the hope of Jesus. Would you intervene? Would you just refute all the powers that are coming against them to keep them from knowing you? Or do we just pray that safe, God, draw them to yourself. Help them at some point to come to you. See, Ephesians 6 says we're in a war. And we get fired up about a lot of other stuff, don't we? Someone that's addicted, we pray, God, would you heal Rather than, let me tell you what I think the church should be doing, confronting the works of hell every single day and maybe setting days where we walk through our community praying, God, end the reign of the satanic power of addiction in our community. Set that crack house free. Resist the meth that wants to destroy our communities. Do we take this seriously? See, when we start to pray for boldness, I believe we'll start to pray more expectantly and we'll see the hand of God at work. When we talk about praying dangerous prayers, we have to talk about asking God to make us bold, not arrogant, not overconfident, not stupid, but bold. But the danger, as I said, is realizing that if we pray for boldness, we're going to be answered. You ever hear anybody say, don't pray for patience? Because you'll get opportunities to be patient. I think we need to pray for these things. When we start to pray for boldness, we're going to be answered. God's going to open situations where we will have to faithfully respond by being bold. And that's the last part that I want to say to you. Our prayer for boldness will be answered when we are obedient to the opportunities he presents to us. They're told to go preach after they're arrested. So verse 21 of chapter 5, at daybreak, at daybreak, they didn't take a rest. They didn't have a strategic meeting. They didn't get some committees together. They didn't create some programs or some marketing at daybreak. They entered the temple courts, as they had been told by the angel, and began to teach the people. Now, I want to tell you how this ended for John and Peter. You have to hear the rest of the story. Such good news, right? They prayed to be bold, and God made them bold. Peter married his high school sweetheart. He started a church, and it grew to thousands. He wrote books. He published articles. He was able to retire early to go live a relaxed life on the Sea of Galilee. And John was the same. He met someone online. He settled down. He began to consult with other early ministries until he and Peter co-wrote a book and started their own consulting company. They lived such comfortable lives because when you're bold for Jesus, your life always gets better. Wouldn't that be great? It's not even close to their story. Let me tell you what really happened. Historians tell us John was arrested for the faith. And he was dipped in boiling oil that would kill him, designed to kill him. Somehow, miraculously, he lived through the torture and he was exiled to the island of Patmos to spend the rest of his life alone. Peter was martyred as well. Peter was arrested and he was sentenced to die under the authority of Rome. Now, here's what happens. When he was sentenced to die, they said they were going to crucify him. And when they went to kill Peter, he refused to be crucified like Jesus and he asked to be crucified upside down. That was his reward. Make me bold. It's a dangerous prayer. But it's worth it. Because of the faithfulness of God in the midst of it. I'm going to invite the band to come and I'm going to ask you one question. Would you have the courage to start praying this prayer? Would you have the courage to start praying, God, make me bold. Make me bold in my 
workplace. God, make me bold in my family. Make me bold in my community, in my neighborhood. God, make me bold in all the places that I'm afraid. Make me bold in all the places that I'm anxious. God, make me bold in all the places that I'm angry. God, make me bold in all the places of my life. Would you pray that prayer today? Would you pray that prayer as a part of our church as well? See, I don't ever want the faith to be just about you and Jesus. That's, that's so important, and you've got to deal with that. You've got to wrestle through that. But also, as we engage this series, these are the prayers I want us as a church to be praying. Would you make us bold? Would you make us courageous? Would you make us, would you enable your servants as the church to step into these things that you've called us to? And then, would you believe God is able to do it? Would you believe that this God who stepped into the lives of these apostles, who created planets out of nothing, can actually make you bold? Would we do that today? Let's stand and pray together as we begin to sing this final song.